Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan and Dennis Dick on today's show. We are talking about the continued resiliency of this market. We find ourselves now at the top of the recent trading range. So we'll talk about Jerome Powell's comments from last night, combined with yes, last week's action and what it means for today's session and really this entire week here and what we can try to discern as far as sentiment is concerned. Uh, a couple other individual movers on our radar. We got some good news this morning from Moderna that is helping things as well. And our guest is Kevin Schultz. He is the chairman of Trade Securities. He would join the show at 8.35 and we would talk about the increased spate of secondary offerings on the market right now, especially in, uh, uh, shall we say, distressed industries. So uh, that'll be at, at 8.35. In the meantime, I will throw it to Joel now. Joel, give us a quick update on what happened in the overnight session. Oh, major green on the screen. Uh, a little bit of a higher open, a slight dip, and then Jerome Powell. I don't know if it was the same Jerome Powell that we listened to speak on uh, Wednesday, but this market caught a bid. Hasn't looked back. We've moved up even another 20 handles in the last hour. Pre-market going to give you that pre-market low. We're never going to go that low again, 28.50. Pre-market high, 29.18.50. Uh, last Monday's close, 29.22.75. Last week's high, 39 and a quarter. High of the move, uh, 65. So pick your poison there on the upside. Uh, crude participating in the rally Big time up 262 at 3213. Gold knocking on the door of 1800 up 1440 at 1770.80. Silver strong once again. I think this thing's moved uh, two bucks in two weeks uh, up four seven uh, four point seven five percent. That's 81 cents at 1788. Bitcoin doesn't want to be left out in the rally either. That's trading up 285 dollars. And 9680 uh, Let's bring in uh, Triple D. And first of all, Triple D, we, on Friday, we had Spencer's birthday. Today, happy Victoria Day. I know. I'm supposed to be having a holiday here today. What am I doing here? <laughs> Look at me. I don't even take holidays. Do I get holiday pay for this? 
You you do. I must you be getting do. double time right now. What do you do on Victoria Day? I trade stocks apparently, and I do radio shows. I obviously don't sit back and relax, or I wouldn't be here. I should be saying, "Hey, I'm Canadian here. I get the holiday." I, I would. You're half Canadian, so you should get half the day off. Okay, that's Spencer's good. the only one that should be here for the full time. So Joel's going to leave. Here's the thing. I'm going to leave now. Joel's going to leave at 8.30. And Spencer, you got to run the whole show because it's Victoria Day. I actually didn't even realize it was Victoria Day until yesterday. You know, you lose track of days here when every day is like Groundhog Day. But obviously, I follow the U.S. calendar because I primarily trade U.S. stocks. So my holiday, I guess, will be next Monday. All right. Well, uh, I mean, you guys disputed me a little bit. I said... Is that the same Jerome Powell that spoke on Wednesday? That spoke last night, and you guys. Yeah, we're going to oh, take it easy a little bit. Not now, but just just print money forever. We'll do anything. We're not going to run out of ammunition, no matter what. If the stock market starts going down, we'll buy stocks. We'll do whatever. I don't think he said that. No, he, he didn't. He didn't say that. Did he actually say that? No. Did he say we'll buy stocks? No. At least not the part that I saw. He pretty much hinted at <laughs> it. There's a different part that I did, I missed. But, no, he said the biggest thing for me was that we're not even – he said that the Fed is not even close to running out of ammunition. And there's really no limit to what they can do as far as lending. So that was my biggest takeaway. Do you want to, do you want to hear what I think happened? What? I, th- I think that Donald called him up and said, what did you say on Wednesday? You better go on 60 Minutes and you better talk bullish or you can join Hootie Fire on Friday night, the entire interior secretary. He you said, know. you pack, Jerry, you get out there and you get bullish or I'll pack your bags. So there, You know what? One, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all. What One possible scenario. Yeah, well, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And we want negative rates. Whatever. Buy bonds. Buy, buy, buy stocks. Spoos. Buy bonds. And we want negative rates because I need to get reelected. Now get out there and let them know that you're going to defend this market no matter what. Go. Good job. <laughs> I wonder if that was the same guy. Do you think that was maybe just like a mannequin or, you know, or just like they cloned him? And they put him up there to make him, you know, talk like that. Or do you think it was? You think it was really him? I don't know. All right, let's. You're just uh, saying because it's such a change from what he was saying. To me, it last is. Week. I don't know. Do people agree with me or not? We know the Fed. The Fed was always. We've said this for the last two months. The Fed is the whole reason the market is where it is. The Fed is what you're fighting when you're shorting stocks. It's pretty much the only bull case. It's pretty much the bull case is the Fed. So if he throws in the towel at any time and say, look, there's nothing more we can do, the market crashes. So he's not going to say that. I mean, but here it is. This market wants to find the silver lining. You could call this the perfect storm for the shorts here because you got Powell on 60 minutes talking up the market, saying we'll defend it no matter what. So you think the Fed puts in. And then you've obviously got this Moderna news that happened uh, about a half an hour ago. And let's jump into that news because the tri- first initial trials look pretty good. Good. Um, and the stock's up 26%, but the market has rallied significantly from that point in time, too. We've tacked on another 20 S&P handles because what this market wants is the Fed to back it up and it wants a vaccine or a cure. Well, it's getting two of the three this morning, so that's why we're up 500 points. All right, 7.30 this morning, a PR dropped saying Moderna uh, announces positive interim phase one data uh, for their vaccine against the novel coronavirus, and that is all it took. 
Party time. Excellent. Remember that movie? Where's that one from? I uh, don't say it. It's Wayne's World. Party time. Excellent. Yeah, it's Wayne's World and obviously from Saturday Night Live. Okay. I loved Wayne's World. Mike Myers is awesome. But anyways. He's Canadian. So, that's why you like him. Yeah, of course. We love our Canadians here. So jump over here and let's analyze this situation here. So again, same thing. Buying rips and or buying rips. I'm saying it, but I'm just saying it backwards. Buying dips and selling rips. That's the way this money has been made in this market for the last month. It's going to continue to be made in this way. I do not believe buying the rip is the way to go. I believe that's the way to lose money. So you had two opportunities to buy stocks. One was if you were following the Twitter account of me Thursday morning when Wells Fargo started to go green, that felt like the market could turn. I tweeted it then. Spy was 277 then. Jeez. Second opportunity was Friday morning when yep. they pulled back. I was hoping we'd get down to 280 Spy. We didn't quite get down there. I added two stocks to my long-term portfolio. Wish I would have added more. Obviously, we ripped up all day Friday, and now you just get to tack on punishment for the bears. So if you're coming in here and buying stocks now, you're 150 points behind on the S&P from where the stocks were basically day, trading day and a half ago, Thursday morning. So I think if you're buying them now, you're doing it backwards. This is the time to take profits, um, in my opinion. We could continue to go higher. I think there's easily room up to the high of the move, 294.88 and then 294.24. Easily 20 more handles here, potential possibility for today even. But And then you got the overhead supply, you know, going to come in 300. But it's hard. It, it just This market's so tough. Like, you know, when Thursday, early Thursday morning, I was nervous. And then I saw Wells Fargo turn. And I was nervous about the bank. So if I'm long stocks, I don't want to see the banks start to roll over again. The market needs the banks. Yes, there's a lot of people that believe it doesn't, but we've already, I've already broken down the case. In the, if you're thinking that, you know, Wells Fargo can go down to 10 bucks and the market will still be at all-time highs or going all-time highs, you're wrong. Wells Fargo stabilizes here, does stops going down, it's good for stocks. That's what turned the market on Thursday was the banks. Now it's everything else. It's Powell and obviously the Moderna news, and now we're off to the races here again. So that's good news for the bulls. But I'm still, you've got to analyze that we're still in a situation here where there's a lot of worries. I'm not coming in here and chasing stocks. I believe you will get more dips to buy. Uh, several things there. First, let's go to the Moderna. Uh, that's trading up on uh, 1748, 26% oh, at 8417. Good volume changing hands here. I will just tell you folks, 8650. Uh, you made the high um, on, on the last bracket. You're working on the high at this bracket at uh, 86.47. So someone's working a little bit of a piece. It's two bucks away. If you want a potential exit point, uh, there it is for MRNA. Uh, as far as like the overall market, we kind of talked a little bit last week about maybe a 27.50 to 29.50 trading range. I didn't think we would do it from Thursday morning to Monday morning, but there, there I go thinking again. Uh, last week's high, 39 and a quarter, and then the ultimate high of the move here is 29.65. And then also, you know, you, you, you talk about the perfect storm here, and I know if you guys, for sure, this is as much as I've read my bearings here so far this week. What's it say on it? Hold it up further. I think I'm thinking of canceling it because vaccine. No, they were ahead of that. They knew. 
Yeah. That's what yeah. Saturday morning, so vaccines. So they knew the Moderna news. Yeah. It's just a joke. <laughs> but Yeah. I don't know. I used to That's read it. I've been reading it for a hundred years. I don't know. I'm, I just, it's like, it's like reading our show from last week. I mean, it's kind of not too much forward looking stuff, but uh, anyways, there you go. There's the news and we're off to the races. Crude helping out up to 56 here. Uh, they're talking, you know, more cuts and uh, supply increasing. So what, what more, you know, people they are got crude doing- too. So you have yeah. three things. So you have a lot, obviously one concern here today, if you were hiding out in all those COVID plays, they are probably going to weaken a little bit. And if you look this morning, you were already seeing that trade start to happen. If you're in Peloton this morning, you're down 3%. You're saying, why is Peloton down when the market is up? Because Peloton is a play against the market right now. It is actually, believe it or not, inversely correlated. We've talked about this. Those COVID hiding spots are a play on the lockdown. So when you start getting vaccine news, that's actually bad for Peloton. Understand all these intricate relationships. Yes, sometimes, you know, really it doesn't make sense. But when you think logically how this market is playing, Peloton is hot because they think that the lockdown could continue for a while. Get a vaccine, that all changes. Everybody starts coming out of their caves. So a little bit of positive vaccine news is actually bad for Peloton. You can jump over the same thing uh, into Zoom video. I haven't brought it up yet, but yeah, there it is. It's down four bucks. Why is it down four bucks? Again, that's a play on the lockdown. Today we have news that Moderna, obviously, vaccine, that could potentially get us out of the lockdown faster if that continues. We're a long ways from that, but that is why Zoom video is down. Assuming Teladoc, same thing. I haven't brought it up yet. Bring it up. Yes, it's down $2.68. So you can see what is going to be weak here today. Netflix trading down here this morning. Again, your gaming stocks probably going to show some weakness. Same story. So just remember those relationships because uh, they're very important to understand uh, when you're day trading. For you longer-term investors, it's a different story. But I wouldn't own Peloton in my long-term investment account because valuation doesn't make any sense to me. But And Joel does. So he still thinks the story continues. It's been working very well for him. So that's how I trade. I understand those relationships. I'm a relationship trader. And understanding those relationships can make you some money. Uh, Lisa's seeing patients in the office today. She sent me, uh, just like first time in two months, she sent me uh, pictures and her. she's all geared up. She's looked like she's going to fight a, a war uh but uh yeah she's geared up to see patients in the office so uh the things are getting back a little bit to normal um along those lines teledoc is trading i'm in the red here by 346 uh let's go back to friday a little bit did uh we get we got some 13 f's right was that third was that later on friday spencer did we talk yeah. about that on the 340 show yeah, uh, I mean, most of them were Friday, came in Friday in the afternoon. Uh, nothing, I was surprised, not a lot of movement off of the filings. The most notable was probably Buffett uh, reducing his stake in Goldman Sachs. Uh, he also, I believe, reduced his stake in uh, Phillips 66 uh, and Travelers, right? Those are the three that, uh, no, he liquidated Travelers and Phillips 66 Gold entirely, Travelers. and he reduced his stake in Goldman Sachs. But I didn't see too much follow through. Uh, he's the most followed, and I don't see too much sure. action on the charts. Someone, uh, someone bought Peloton, though, right? Didn't it go to forty-nine bucks? A few people bought Peloton, I believe. Uh, let me go into the. It was the trading pro. forty-nine. I sold it in the pre-market at forty. Yeah, George Soros uh, yeah. Uh, increased his stake in Peloton. I sold Peloton in the pre-market here around seven a.m. 
at 49. So, so if you're up early, sometimes you Are you advantage. sure? For, I sold it this morning at 7 o'clock a.m., 49.84. I sold it. I had it long. I sold it overnight. I should have went short, obviously, but you know I was moving on. But I just had a feeling that this thing could probably get back. Holy macro, that's a great sale there. Because people are up early, and they're just like, well, buy stocks, everything's going to be up. Buy Peloton, it's going to be up. Again, they're not respective of these relationships. So the person who buys that stock loses money because they're not respecting the relationships. We got to understand, respect those relationships. Well, at 7 a.m., no one knew that Moderna was going to have good news. Not <laughs> too, not too, but even when the market's up. Market's up. That's market's up. Peloton often will go down. You know, you can go, it's been that way for a while here. You've seen these stocks move the opposite to the market. Not always, but there's a loose relationship there. But definitely the vaccine then would have carried. It's true, Spencer. So like at 7.30, then it got uglier. But I wouldn't be, if the market's up 1%, I wouldn't be buying up Peloton up 2.5%. No way. If the market's down, you know, then it's interesting, but you've got to be careful with those relationships. But as soon as the vaccine news hit, that was the key to sell those COVID stocks. So 730, uh, you know, you got to get out of those COVID stocks. And even look at like defensive stocks like Clorox. Same thing. Clorox is down. These relationships are very prevalent here right now. So good vaccine news, bad for those COVID plays. Probably bad for Kramer's COVID index on the, on the vaccine news in, in certain cases. Now, Amazon was already trading in the red, and that was off a Google headline from Friday night. Spencer, can you give us a Google headline? Because that was knocking Google down over 20 points Friday night. It's bounced back with the overall market, but there was uh, some concerns here from the government about Google. Yeah, I, I got to go way far back in my memory and in my pro. It was, yeah, what was it the DOJ? I'm going from memory here. It, it was a DOJ. Friday night. Uh, state attorneys general are likely to bring uh, an, an antitrust lawsuit against Google. That was from the journal, citing sources. Yeah, right after the close on Friday, Google fell significantly. If you bring up that chart, Joel, you'll see it. It dropped about 30 bucks in 30 seconds. So Algo's just slamming it on that headline. Obviously, bouncing back with the overall market. I still own Google in my long-term account. I still think it's one of the best tech companies out there. The valuation is not extreme. On dips, I would be buying Google if I didn't already own a pile of it. But um, Google is, um, it, that's the reason it's down here this morning. So, and it got down to, how low did we get Friday night? Uh, we got down to 13.30. Down 40 bucks. I mean, come on. If you're hitting this Algos, thing at yeah, 4.15 on a Friday much. in the after hours, that's that's crazy. Yeah. Giving up the edge like that. Holy mackerel. And it, uh, yesterday's low, I mean, it. well, no, it then, let's see what the low from uh, from Friday was. Low from Friday was 13.39, if you were paying any attention to that. Uh, bouncing a little bit. I'll just give you, just hanging out here at 13.70. Uh, your rebound high off that has been 1370.75. So kind of tough call here on the rebound. But, I mean, you hear this, what, every couple months about uh, about Google, right? Or they, well, Amazon or antitrust or whatever. The government's had concerns for years on this. Yeah, it's true. So, this isn't like ah. a headline that's just out of the blue. Um, it was a little bit out of the blue for Google because they remember they were Amazon, too. They had issues with as well. It was DOJ, I think, was having issues with Amazon a while ago. But Amazon was trading down in sympathy with that as well. So your hiding place in your mega caps actually probably isn't the stocks that's going to fly here today. What stocks are flying here today, are, it's a dash for trash. It's the dash for trash. You're going to see the airlines absolutely flying. I mean, nobody wants vaccines more than the airlines. 
airlines are teetering on, you know, potential bankruptcy if we don't get a vaccine by the end of the year. So any type of vaccine news is going to lift the airline something fierce. Think of all of those like ground zero plays. Those will all lift on vaccine news. So I'm sure Carnival Cruise Line's up 8%. Norwegian, even the House of Mouse trading up 4%. And come on, Disney. 113 bucks now on Disney. Whew. I mean, you better hope that you're buying it $113. I'd be really hoping that that vaccine comes sooner than later because this stock is now trading where it was back in April of last year and everything is closed for it. The, no, the common not, sense not, on not, this, not Disney Springs. Don't oh, yeah, the outdoor mall or the outdoor, you know, Disney, downtown Disney apparently open. But Shanghai open at 30% capacity, but there's park tickets available if you want them. So unbelievable how you know this market just continues to find the silver lining in everything i would not be buying disney stock at 113 dollars i mean it can't go higher from here no if they're gonna rally on vaccine it can continue but disney never even got slammed like some of the other ones and i think it's still a ground zero play so i'm gonna be a long time before disney gets back to the revenues that they had and even in the first quarter of this year just my opinion Switch topics here. Did did Powell say anything about QE for marijuana stocks or, or cannabis? Did he say anything about that? <laughs> That's ripping higher. Again, the reverse split. These stocks can do funny things when after these reverse splits, but it's still ripping higher here. Uh, squeeze them. I mean, we're in full short squeeze mode again. Squeeze them. Ah, uh, boy, two-day move, two move here. A uh, big day. Uh, near almost doubled on uh, on Friday. Uh, excuse me, almost, yeah, doubled on Friday. Huge volume came into that stock. So the algos were like, hey, we're just buying. This is like, who 1120 close. I don't even, I wonder how low we got it uh, after hours. Uh, boom, boom, 1122. You could add this stock at 1122 early in the morning. After hours, it traded 1070, 1080. So this is just computers just waking up and like, oh, up big. Big volume, buy, 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 buy. Where this stops, I don't know. Let's see here. Uh, boom, boom, 12.36. Where are we trading at now? We're trading above that. Next target for you, Bulls, 13.56. Oh, it's even been over that. It's been up to uh, 14.90. Holy mackerel. This ain't trading for... 1490, you know, you put the, Dennis. But put it in perspective, you know, when you do these reverse splits and the stock's at 12 bucks or 14 bucks, I mean, we watched Chesapeake after its reverse split, which is, you know, potentially going bankrupt here, go from 12 bucks in four days up to 41. It's very dangerous to short these stocks after these reverse splits because funny things like this happen. And they, you know, they, they can really rip them. And, and, you know, you put it in perspective and you think of it, you know, what was the reverse split? What was the amount on AC? It was one for 12. One for 12. So, again, so you think about that. It's really still down here at like a buck. So, you know, from, from that perspective, the person who bought it you know, and just looking, you know, a month or two ago is still down money. So it can squeeze them a bit. This is a play and a hope that the company isn't going bankrupt. I don't, I, I'm going to go with Gordon Johnson. He says it's, he thinks it's a zero. I think eventually it could be a zero, but stocks, even when they go bankrupt in this market, don't go straight to zero. I mean, we saw PCG obviously not go straight to zero either, and it's up here this morning again, still trading 12 bucks despite being bankrupt. So just because you're bankrupt doesn't necessarily mean your stock's going to zero, but I don't like buying stocks that are burning cash and losing money and potentially going bankrupt. So this isn't going to go in my long-term portfolio, but as a trade, 
squeezing them a bit. It's squeezing them a bit. But again, it's like a hot potato. You get in there, even Chesapeake, the same story. You get in there, ride a little bit, but it starts to turn. Don't get stuck with it because trash is trash. Is it pulling up uh, canopy growth and the other stocks? Oh, yeah. They're all ripped on Friday. And they're ripping again here this morning. But again, the overall market's pulling those stocks up here too because this is full-on dash for trash. Pot stocks have been trash here for a while. So they're going to be hot here this morning because this market is looking into the ditches and seeing what it can pick up here. Retail stocks probably flying here this morning too. Yeah, Kohl's. Look at Kohl's this morning. They report tomorrow. Let's take a look at Kohl's. KSS. I mean, 15 bucks. Bounce there a few times. Look at this level, Joel. That's the Harlem Pie and shirt, man. You see what April, you got down April 23rd. Two days ago when everybody's thrown in the towel before the Wells Fargo turn, we were trying to take it out. 1531, Wells Fargo turned. And, you know, it brought up all the other, you know, stocks that have been in the gutter here too. Now you get some positive Moderna data, which is good for department stores because we get a vaccine sooner. People are going to start going back out to their big box and their stores and start shopping again. So, again, understanding those relationships. Moderna, positive results, very good for Kohl's. Uh, let's take a look. They, they report tomorrow, but they're usually after the close or in the morning, Spencer. I'll, let me look it up for you right okay. now. Moderna's uh, up, look at Moderna. It's up 25 they, they are before, They're before they open tomorrow. Someone made a comment. Oh, 92.53. Moderna's I guess it took out 86.50, folks. Uh, people are just get so the look you see how fast this is trading it is just trading so incredibly fast like i mean it is all algorithmic driven here a lot of this when it's trading that quickly so unbelievable. i mean it's going to 100 bucks right dennis i don't know where it's going (laughs) this again you know you got to put this in perspective here too yes it's great it's good news that the trials are going well it's, it's only phase. It's phase one. It's, it's early. I know. So, so again, I don't want to short stuff. They're going to rally at fifty percent every time it goes through a little bit of positive results on a phase. This thing's going to be a bazillion dollars by the end of this. So, I don't know. Ninety-one dollars. A lot of good. A lot of good news priced in there, guys and girls. Mitch, Mitch said in phase one, they just they just hope people don't die from the drug. I thought they were using it on a mice. Uh, oh, oh really? No, I don't know. Oh no, no, he's not I'm joking. No. <laughs> The, the mouse lived. Who signs up for the phase one trial? Because that sounds scary in myself. Who are these people that sign up for this? Uh, people who are sick. I guess the people want, who are sick are very sick. Want to get sick. better? No, but this is a vaccine. So they shouldn't okay. be the people who are getting sick. They should Good be point. healthy people. I don't know. I wouldn't want to. Like, if I was healthy, I wouldn't shoot myself up with some random vaccine. So I'm just wondering. I'm wondering how who signs up for this, but maybe somebody knows. Uh, I'm sure it says it in the press release. It had the number of people that were in the study, but I don't have it in front of me. Remember that other stock? What was the one that had like five people in it? The stock went up like 250 percent. Some penny uh, stock with five people in the trial. There'll be more than that. Moderna's this is legit. Moderna is the leader here right now. They're leading the way for who's going to get the vaccine first. And there's going to be multiple companies that get it. I still like Sanofi. I sold it. SNY is trading down here, obviously trading over in Europe as well. It's down this morning. Down around 44, 45 bucks of Snowfee comes back. I'll rebuy that stock because they're going to get a vaccine cooking too. But they're in a smaller company. Gilead's hanging out. That that thing has tried to pop so many times off that headline. Now it's just kind of tired at 76. It's tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, down here at 75, 76, it's not that bad. I'm not in it this time. I played it, we know, three times before and 
I didn't jump back in for the fourth time. I don't like the broken trend here either. So, and again, you know, all it takes is a little bit, oh, this room disappears and working very well and the stock will be 70 bucks. So it, I don't know. That's that's a little bit. I, I, I've played that three, four times. I don't think you know the easy money's in there anymore on Gilead. Obviously, Moderna's still flying. I like the vaccine plays. I like Sanofi. I want it lower though. I want Sanofi to pull back down the mid. And it's a big company. Like you got that's one thing you got to consider. Moderna's going to move a lot more smaller company, right? So you get Sanofi, one of the biggest companies over drug companies over in Europe. They got a lot of their stuff. So vaccine helps a little bit. But now they're popping the S&Ps here. We are just blasting north Blasting here. shorts out of the water. I said there was no resistance in here. My buddy, I just wish I would have like, whew, just pulled the trigger of that. Look at that. Last week's high, 39 and a quarter. We're blowing the shorts yeah. away. Yeah. Yep. 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 And yep. just one more on the vaccine talk. AstraZeneca also said uh, today that, or this morning, that they're trying, aiming to make as many as 30 million doses available in Britain by September. So AZN is up as well. Again, just for new, newer traders here to understand, you're not going to see moves in AstraZeneca and yes, Sanofi right. and Gilead like Moderna because they're such large mega pharmaceutical companies. I mean, AstraZeneca and GlaxoSmithKline are two of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. It's like Pfizer. You know, this is going to be such a small fraction of their overall revenues. They're not going to move like that. Like, what's the market cap of Moderna? Just comparatively, you can just look at market caps and you can get a better feel for, you know, how, you know, much influence a vaccine can have on Moderna versus a GlaxoSmithKline. I mean, Moderna now, a 21, well, actually, this is a Friday. It was $21 billion company. It's to be like a $30 billion company. So getting bigger, but most of this move has been on potential vaccine. AstraZeneca, $140 billion company. You know, GlaxoSmithKline, if we just look at the, you know, and these companies are all working on vaccines. That's why I'm comparing. $101 billion company. And then Snofi, the other one, huge pharmaceutical company over in Europe. Um, it's a $118 billion company. So you can see these companies are, you know, uh, Wow, they were almost 10 times the size as of Friday as of Moderna. So that's why you see such an extreme move in a stock, a stock like Moderna. All right, just hit uh, 29.30.50 here. Uh, backed off just a little bit, but just uh, un, unabashed buying here. Uh, in the futures, crude up near the high of the session, too, up uh, 241 and 31.93. So everything strong in the green here this morning. Start the Monday morning outright. All right, 8.30, got about five minutes before we're going to bring on our guest today. Do we want to look at – we already looked at – or talked about a couple of 13Fs. Do we want to look at – oh, you know, we didn't finish going to Kohl's. Let, let's let, let's go back to Kohl's. All the retailers are hot. I like that Kohl's off the 15. Again, this is a play. I mean, if we're in lockdown, if we have if – the, if the, here's, here's the scenarios. We're, we're coming out of this. People are going about their business. We're going to go back, you know, to opening everything up. If the opening goes well, if people don't start getting sick again, a lot of these stocks are going to do pretty good. I mean, Kohl's was not in great shape even coming into this, but it's still, you know, there, there's potential upside here if the opening goes well. If the opening does not go well, if people start getting sick and they start talking about another lockdown, some of these retailers are going to be in big trouble. So that's a coin flip on this. It's kind of a coin flip. If it goes well, the opening, I don't think the opening is going to go well. That's why I don't want to own any stocks. I think we're going to get into a situation in six or eight weeks, or, you know, maybe it's going to be through the summer, September. I think the second wave is going to be bad. So I think eventually you see stocks that, you know, you think might turn it around could be in trouble. 
that's why I've been buying, you know, different stocks I know are going to be around no matter what, because I don't know. So anything in my long-term portfolio, it's like tech. It's like stocks that are in good shape no matter what. So Amazon too. I mean, Amazon's still kicking Cole's butt even without COVID. So there's lots to consider, but there's value in COVID if the lockdown, if, if, the, if the reopening goes well. Uh, we're trading at the highs of the pre-market session. That's uh, 1876. If you're looking for some upside targets here, uh, 1964 uh, was uh, April 30th high. And then if you really get going, uh, double top at 21, 2095 and 2108. Uh, and this one is still sleepy. I mean, it has not retraced much of its move at all. So, you know, if you think it's up a lot, you think a short net, it's come down from 40 bucks to 15. So, I don't know, bad report. Yeah, you might see something like that. But uh, this one kind of kind of looks like it. I'm not sure what the short interest in it is either. But uh, 1964 and major resistance at 21 for you Kohl's traders. All right, so the automakers are going back to work today. GM, Ford, uh, Chrysler starting in in Detroit, and uh, Tesla going back to work in out in California. You want to look at Tesla? One. Yeah, he yeah. shot the government the middle finger, and the government said okay. Basically, California, at least in the state or the county. The, the county, yeah. The county. Yeah. yeah. Musk one, unbelievable. Uh, and guess who got to take pictures of the Chrysler plant reopening at 4 a.m.? That's an early morning for your daughter. I'm yeah, I know. it was your daughter. Yep. I, I, I volunteered to go. And she goes, oh, Did Dad, you go? Hell no. I volunteered, <laughs> you know. But I Four said, I'll, I'll go down there with you. Check early it out. Early morning. Early she morning said, pictures. Yeah, she did. I think I think she's doing that for uh, – for Bloomberg, they should be out later. But uh, yep, she went down there to the plant and uh, took pictures. Uh, GM trading up a buck twenty-four. I think she went over the GM plant. There wasn't much going on. Uh, you got a really, really good level here to keep an eye on on GM rally. You've stuck over twenty-four bucks a few times and been turned back. We're currently trading at twenty-three ninety. Let's go to the daily highs in GM. Uh, 24. Ooh, I see a 24.57, and that's about it. I keep an eye. That's been the high of the rebound. I keep an eye 24.57. So only 60 cents away from that. Ford just been a perennial loser for decades. Yeah. Uh, that's getting a little pop. That's at the high of the session 5.13. Fords. Uh, I see three highs. You know, there's probably a thick size anywhere, but uh, let's call it 5.20. That splits the three highs from uh, May 8th through May 12th. Fiat Chrysler. I don't even know. Where's that stock at? Five bucks? Uh, nope. That's seven, at eight bucks. Eight. That's trading up eight. That's a nice bounce for that. Uh, next, ooh, pair of highs at eight, three highs at 850. That's your resistance in Fiat Chrysler. All right, let's go to our guest now. Kevin Schultz is the chairman of Triad Securities. He's joining us now. Uh, first time on the show. First off, Kevin, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Thank you for sending uh, the makeup and hair, guys. Really appreciate it. 
<laughs> nice. Only the best. Only the best. Uh, <laughs> especially when we're all working from home. So, uh, uh, Kevin, let's just start off with like broad macro, and then we'll we'll, we'll see where the conversation takes us. But we we've been talking a lot about uh, companies, industries in trouble here. We've seen a, few, a handful probably more than we're used to of uh, secondary offerings. Talk to us about what you're seeing as far as trends in the secondary offering uh, market right now. Well, I take it back to 2009, really, if you want to look at it the same way, where all the banks had to do the refinancing. And that was, you know, Citigroup was coming out. Wells Fargo did a deal. All of a sudden, they would price it at 22. It opened at 24. And now you're seeing this with, uh, you know, the cruise lines, the airlines, I think you're going to start seeing it a lot more with REITs, oil and gas have to raise money. I mean, everyone needs to raise money. And if you're a public company, you know, are you going to float? Carnival did a, a whole mess of stuff, right? They did bonds. I think they did 12% bonds. That's pretty hard to, you know, come by is giving away 12% just to raise money that way. So equity is one of the strongest plays for these guys if they can do it. So in some cases, it might be the only play. Um, in, in the case of UAL last week, and, and nobody even wanted to touch um, the one offering there um, when, when we were talking, and obviously that was a bond offering. But, I mean, you look at the situation with the airlines, and a lot of them are burning serious cash, and we don't know how long consumer habits are going to avoid flying for. When people turn their nose up at, I think it was an 11 to 12% UAL, what are your thoughts on that? You know, um, but at UAL, they also did 40 million shares, right? So um, the deals all worked when they brought them, but now the market is taking them down lower. Um, you know, I, th I just think that you're right. I mean, the burning through the cash is the hard part. When are they going to start coming back to normal? Is there going to be a normal? I mean, are people going to be able to sit next to each other on a plane? Yeah. People, you know, so how much are they going to be able to fly? How much, you know, what are they going to burn when they're back to doing business? You know, that's certainly not going to start making money. I mean, people are going to start, you know, carrying on their bags. You know, they, they have to start charging for carry-ons instead of uh, putting them down low. So what are, your, what are your thoughts here on all these companies that obviously have to and potentially do some dilution? Do you, are you seeing the trends? Like, and, and what about companies that are doing well? I mean, we've actually seen some offerings from some companies that are doing well, probably just because the stock price was so high. I mean, let's look at Shopify here. They just recently did an offer. The stock was at an all-time high, and they did an offering. Um, you know, is that like Shopify just raising cash because the business is going so well here? A completely different story over at Shopify, obviously, in UAL. So what are your thoughts on some of these companies that are doing offerings, maybe because the business is going well? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think you have to look at the biotechs, especially for that, right? I mean, you just talked about Moderna doing one. You know, that's what's, what you're going to see is when these uh, stocks start spiking, they're going to look to raise money. And, you know, they, they have to bring them down. If they do a book bill, build, they're going to have to, they, they usually bring them down a couple of points or a couple, you know, percentages, and then they price them a couple of percentages. Uh, BlackRock was another great one that came out a week or two ago and uh, PNC sold their stake in it. I mean, it was trading at 500.500. They knocked it down to 454, I think, on the close the night before. They priced it at 420 and then it opens up at 460 the next day. I mean, so they're giving people a great opportunity to, you know, to make money fast if you're playing these stocks. 
How do you participate in some of these secondary offerings? So, you know, the, the general public, it becomes an issue probably that maybe it's not as easy for them to participate. But, you know, we see some of these offerings all the time. Talk about the process of being able to participate, like actually be one of the buyers in these secondary offerings. Well, if I tell you, I might have to kill you. Because, uh, <laughs> I thought I want to know. I want to get some of this all, free money out here. Secret stuff, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> as far as uh, it's, you know, how do people get IPOs? Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it's it's similar. Capital markets controls it. Um, they're looking for institutions to take the bulk of it. Uh, retail is a part of it. And depending on the house, I mean, obviously, Bank America does it. You're going to see a lot of Merrill, Morgan Stanley, a lot of brokers are doing it. There's going to be bigger retail than if Goldman does a deal or J.P. Morgan. And so uh, secondaries, though, you can get involved. I mean, you can talk to your broker and you can say, I'd like, you know, a thousand shares of this. I think this is a good place for it to be um, and participate on the deals. And you have, but you have to follow them and know where they're going and when they bring them out. So they do announce them. Um, again, a book bill an o- is different than an overnight. An overnight is a shelf. Like today, they just put Bluebird and Turning Point on. Those are two biotechs um, that are doing well. And are they coming tonight? We don't know yet. They might put them on for this week. They might just put them on the shelf and they can pull them down and do an overnight, in which case it's very hard to get involved unless you're on top of it all the time. So if you're just, did that answer your question? Yeah, to, to, to a certain extent. So the smaller retail player, probably not going to have as easy an access of, of time, unless it depends, you know, if you have a brokerage account, maybe like you said at a Merrill, but it's more the full service brokerages that probably can participate in this more than the discount brokerages then. Yeah, well, discount brokerages don't, really don't have capital markets. Right. So you're not looking, you know, that they can't get involved in the IPOs or the secondaries. I mean, I guess you can if you're at Fidelity, they have a, a chunk that they keep. Um, I don't know if Schwab has a partnership. I think they might with somebody else, but it's very difficult through those places to get um, pieces of these stocks, but you can trade them. You know, you can trade them in the aftermarket. You can trade them before you can, you know, do a lot of different things. I mean, but they're, you know, I mean, if you want to talk about reg M and shorting and doing, taking a position, you can do, you know, if you're not taking the deal down, you can short it. And a lot of people do. I mean, in the past secondaries, are also access for large institutions to sell a big position. So because they know it's going to be very liquid and there's going to be a lot of volume that day. So sometimes they look to do that. Let's talk about some of those trading strategies around these uh, secondaries. I trade them to a certain extent. I'm a prop guy and I do see, you know, when the pricing's there, I know, and, and we've talked about this on the show over the last few years, is sometimes those, that pricing, it depends the type of market you're in, but sometimes that pricing can actually be a magnet. So when you see, you know, a stock trading at $25 and they do an offering down at 22 it usually puts pressure on the stock, probably because of the natural mechanics. Some people getting a 22 are going to turn around and want to short the stock or, you know, get themselves hedged up if they're getting an allocation to try to make themselves as much money as possible. But it always seems like that those pricings also act like a floor sometimes too for the stock. Can you just talk about, you know, maybe some of this, that trading in the secondary market that happens on these uh, secondary offerings? Well, I'm going to go have to go back in my, uh, my brain because I, I traded for 17 years. So, okay. and I did trade a lot of deal stocks and things like that. But um, so yes, there, there it used to be a floor. Right now, syndicate uh, over the last couple of years, the syndicate bid 
really does not exist anymore. So when you see a deal price at 22, they can bring that thing to 20 and a half. They can bring, a, I'll give you an example of one of them was uh, Zillow the other day, um, did a secondary, it closed at 49.22, they priced it at 48, so they give it a little discount and they opened it at 46.32. Mm-hmm. So that was not, you know, I mean, if you're taking down the deal stock, what do you do then? Um, again, so it used to be a floor and it used to be a great area to, you know, to sell it if it got to that syndicate price. And if it broke, then you wouldn't want to be involved. And then you can, you know, trade some volume and you know, use the upside, you know, if there's a lot of buying in the aftermarket. And again, when you'd see it bounce off of that, that, uh, that bid and that price, you would be able to get a little bit of a pop. Ron with Kevin Schultz. He is the chairman of Triad Securities. Uh, Kevin, speaking of IPOs there, uh, not a, a ton of impact on the IPO market in Q1 uh, due to COVID. It's really more of a Q2 thing. But that being said, you are seeing a, uh, or you're observing a, a change in the winds as far as the types of companies that we're, that we're going to see uh go to the markets in this way, right? Where you're seeing less unicorns, more profitable companies, correct? Um, I think that was in the past. I think you're seeing a lot of biotechs is the strongest sector. Um, there was uh, there were, were fintech companies that were starting to come out. I think that uh, Select Quote is this week. So that's an insurance company, a insurance tech, I believe. Um, you know, you're going to see a little bit of everything. I think they are going to start coming back as this, you know, bounce is happening and the market is, you know, finding its area of trading and companies need to raise money. Are they going to still be buying them? You know, uh, well, Facebook just bought that other company. That's really what happened to the IPOs is you had private equity and other companies just taking over uh, some of these smaller firms before they go to the IPO market. It seems like sentiment has been pretty negative on the unicorns that have IPO. I mean, not entirely, but by and large, so a lot of them are just down from their IPO pricing level. Uh, what is a positive trend that you're seeing in the IPO market? Is, is, is biotech like the positive trend? Biotech's the positive and, and fintech, I think, are the two areas that I, that I would say. I mean, it, oh, you know, I agree with you. The, the unicorns are not doing well. I just think that also it's the pricings that they're not, the valuations are way too high on a lot of these things and no one wants to bring them down. You know, there are too many institutions that have bought these companies now. And so they're not interested in pricing them at the level they have to for the public to want to get involved and buy them. All right, Kevin, uh, you opened up uh, the can of worms there when you said you worked on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, When did you start there and what was your first job? Um, in college, I was, um, I was a clerk for a $2 broker and my two bosses, one guy traded his own account and was an RCMM and the other guy had a lot of institutional, um, customers and he went to the army. So he knew a lot of people. So they got a lot of orders and then I got a job. He shook my hand going back my senior year of college and said, Kevin, you have a job. And so I was like, okay, I went back to school with a job in my pocket and uh, that was great. And then I just traded for myself for, you know, uh, 17 of the years, I ran a small hedge fund. And so I was trading a lot of these stocks back and forth and I was a portfolio manager 
at Millennium twice. Uh, explain the term $2 broker. We don't hear that a lot on the show. <laughs> well, it's gone. That's why. $2 <laughs> broker was exactly what it sounds like. They used to pay a broker $2 to execute a trade for you before, you know, they got to pennies. And that's when brokers would, uh, you know, you would buy, you know, 120 shares of IBM and it was a nominal trade. So they would charge you you know, four and a half dollars, you know, commission on that, which would be $400. So it wasn't that crazy. And you'd give the broker $2. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, do you have a, like a story, like a good story or a bad story, something from your time on the floor, something that's trade, you know, shaped your, your, your trading background or knowledge. Uh, it could be a good one, bad one. Uh, we like Let's to keep leave a out PG. profanity. Yeah, Stay for work, preferably. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, uh, there was a couple scenes from Wall Street, the original one with uh, Michael Douglas, where some of the brokers were involved in, uh, on the screen, and I knew some of those guys, so we'll keep that one out. Uh, the biggest one, though, like I said, my boss was an RCMM, so registered competitive market makers. There were only 11 of them on the floor and only three that were very, uh, you know, vocal. And what they would do is they would be asked to open up a stock if there was a problem. So, you know, a stock comes out with news and it doesn't trade a lot. And all of a sudden somebody would say, okay, we need you to go open this up. And he would be buying 8,000 shares to open this stock, maybe down or up in a different position. And, um, Alan was a great trader for eighths and quarters. That's another thing that goes back, right? How was that? Yeah. 20 years, eighths and quarters and teeny. And, um, so he really taught me how to trade at eighths and quarters, and which is 12 and a half and 25 cents. So that was pretty good uh, margins then. But I, rem I just completely remember when Philip Morris was taking over RJR Nabisco and the bid went in there. And he traded a half a million shares himself that day. And the stock traded three million on Philip Morris. So he was that much of the volume going back and forth and trading. And it was just, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, how one person, he used to read the tape. And that's how he would trade for his eighths and quarters back then, back and forth. So it was a great lesson of how to really watch and be able to trade against who, the people out there, which now it's impossible because you're trading against computers and everything moves too fast. Yeah, the old tape reading where it meant something, bids and offers, <laughs> and now it's like, and I repeat this a lot of times when Dennis and I were, you know, getting started at Bright Trading, you know, when someone came in, depending what the stock was, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, trip nines or something, you knew something was going to happen, whether it's going to be a point and away, a point and a quarter away, you know, and now you look at the tape and it's like 100, 100, 100, 100, 100 you know, very hard to interpret, but that. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that with no, us. No problem. No problem. I come from the same generation as you guys, so that's why I guess we understand some of the <laughs> terminology that people don't even realize anymore. All right. Uh, Kevin Schultz is the chairman of Trade Securities. He's joined us here on Pre-Market Prep. Kevin, thanks so much for the time, and no be safe out there. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. It's great right, to get you back again soon. Uh, Sorry, thanks for the four guys. Top. I'm sorry, Dennis. It's always nice to have the floor. I love having the floor guys on when they come on. When we bring the floor traders, the former floor traders back on, so many good stories from the floor. 
All right, I'll try and uh, I'll Many try more and some more up. They're gonna uh, they're gonna be back on the floor again. What at the end of May? Uh, some people are gonna be back that on the date? floor. Uh, yeah. There is there is a date. Uh, it's only it's not for everyone. They're only letting some people on the floor, and the people that that are allowed on the floor are not allowed to take public transportation. So May twenty sixth is is the day when floor trading will resume. Uh, for a, I think each firm is allowed to, uh, to have a number of reps uh, on the floor, mm-hmm. and but those people again are not allowed to take the subway to work. Uh, they're not allowed to take public transportation, uh, and they're going to see how that goes. But starting May twenty sixth, floor trading will resume again, at how least on the they, on the New York Stock Exchange. How do they know how you're getting to work? I, that's just what I read as part of the <laughs> part of the close it. part of the rules. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to see you on a subway. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, you know, people are going to respect that, I would think, in as, as best way that they can. Everybody is pretty respectful, um, mm-hmm. you know, to try to, you know, minimize, you know, whatever, you know, whatever they can do to get exposure to this. So, you know, you don't want to be just, you know, riding the subway. They tell you not to ride the subway. I would hope most traders wouldn't ride the subway. So. You want to talk DraftKings here? Sure. I mean, this is Doc, you know, it's been moving. It's up here again today. It's just, this thing goes up on the, this is this like, you know, what was the stuff we were saying for a while is Wells Fargo goes down in a down market, down in an up market. DraftKings goes up in an up market, up in a down market. I mean, the stock's been unbelievable. Um, obviously, uh, we were talking about it on Friday. It was around 25, 26, continues to perform. So here it is. It's up six bucks. Jason Rasnick's half's up six bucks since he was on the show just, just one day ago, you know, one trading day ago. Unbelievable move for this stock. I mean, again, reopening helps DraftKings. It needs sports. So, you know, this is a story that's been riding up in a lockdown, which is unbelievable. So you think about once, you know, maybe it's going to be sell on, buy on news or buy on rumors, sell on news. But, you know, when, just in the, in the matter of, you know, when we actually get sports coming back, but the NHL is working on a plan here. I read they're getting close to 2014 playoff, which is going to be very interesting. We know golf, NASCAR is starting back up. We saw the UFC. We're starting to get some sports back. So that's good news for DraftKings. And, you know, this is the way to play on sports betting. Um, on a pullback, I would be a buyer, but not, you know, I'm not chasing. I don't want to chase. You want to, you want to hear something fun. Uh, you remember I, I had my, my bearish rant a while ago on uh, Churchill Downs? Remember yep. that? Um, When's the horses coming back? Well, listen to this, Dennis. So uh, the girls are over for dinner last night, and uh, I've been watching horse racing TV. And they have they they broadcast different races from around you know around the country. So there's always a live race going. So I can't find my password. I, I break out you know I break out fine. I change my password, and I said, okay, Emily, who do you like in this race? And so she gave me a horse. And then I looked at a I looked at a couple other horses, and there was one going off at like six to one. And so I'm going through it, and then all of a sudden I hear. Ding, 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 ding. And I got shut out. And uh, Lisa was like, you always do that to track. You always wait till the last second to get odds, and then you get shut <laughs> out. And then, and then your horse wins. And that, you know what? That son of a gun, Chimney Rose, came in and won. And I'm like, oh, man. I mean, I was just going to bet just a couple shekels. It was no big deal. Uh, you want to wait till the last second so you know exactly you know where where the odds because they're moving the odds are continuing to yeah. move right till the last yeah. second so joel you know joel with the edge right 
Joel yeah. be sitting there trying to get the edge. He'd be right there trying to get the edge yeah. on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I got to uh, wait till the very last second to place that bet so I have the most information before I place the bet. I know the way you're thinking. You got to the edge. And the late money. It was, it was called the yeah. late money. Well, the it moves off significantly. The late money does. Yeah. And another good story here, and uh, I always tell stories about my dad, but um, what he used to do in college was there was one track where they were slow to close the windows, okay? So you could, you could actually bet after the race started, right? So Joel's so he, all over that one. So he would line <laughs> this up. This guy's got the lead. Three, Let's get on this one. Let's line up three. They would line up three different people. You know, at the eighth pole, and then one, you know, halfway between that and the betting window, and then someone at the betting window. And if they wanted a certain horse to get off, you know, if he wanted to see if he got off good, then my dad would like drop the program. Boom. He would signal the one guy, the other guy would signal the guy at the window, and then they would make their bets after the race started. Can you imagine now? Because sometimes I make a bet, I'm like, I'm dead meat. Like, I know, I know. If my horse breaks out of the gate bad, you know, you know it. Sometimes you know when you're toast and sometimes you know when you have a chance. But uh, that was fun. I'm going to get my account fired up a little bit sooner. Kentucky Derby is not going to be till September, I think, though. It's kind of like that roulette wheel at the casino. They'll let you – they'll spin the wheel – and yeah. you know, they'll throw the ball, and then they'll let you bet for a little bit after the ball's already in motion. And there's, like, gamblers out there that think the edge, you know, they're trying to, you know, find a person with a consistent throw, and they'll look where they release the ball from, and that's the probability that it's going to end up in this portion of the wheel. Uh, I can remember my buddy in university, Derek, he was actually hired by a professional gambler at the Casino Windsor to go in for two hours and, like, track the throws and track – you know, and write down, you know, where the release of these balls was. And then this guy would try to come in and use that information as an edge. And the whole edge was just that the wheel is always in constant motion. And, you know, you release the ball and where you release that ball from, you can still bet for like 20 seconds after the ball's released from the hand. So he's looking and then trying to get those bets on there really fast because he thinks it's going to land in this part of the, of the wheel. I don't know if the guy made money or not, but he was paying my buddy. This was back in like 1996. He was paying my buddy 10 bucks an hour to go there and sit down and just write down that little information for two hours before he would come in. That's so, a great gig if you can get it. People, well, it's good for my buddy. He's like, this is 10 bucks cash an hour. He's like, I got Jake in mind. I go in there for two hours, I get 20 bucks. He's like, I just, you know, I can just walk over there. It's good. <laughs> free, free drinks, 20 bucks? Yeah, yeah, not, not bad. bad. Well, he wasn't getting free drinks because he wasn't playing. He was just writing. They probably didn't like him in there. He's writing down information. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, send the, they send the 19-year-old university kid in there to write down the information. <laughs> so the, the 19-year-old university kid gets kicked out of the casino. <laughs> All right, uh, let, let's just do one more fast here. Let's just do NVIDIA. They're, they're due to report after the close, I believe on Thursday, and they're running up here as well. The stock is just the monster of all monsters, like the, the, the king of semis, the king of chips. We were saying as AMD for a bit, it's been NVIDIA for a while. I screwed this up royally. I bought this stock, and this is why maybe you shouldn't trade your long-term investment account. And we know I bought the stock back in the 2018 dip near the bottom. I think I bought it about 135 bucks. I know it got down to 125. I wrote it for a long time. It was supposed to be a core holding, never to be sold for my long-term portfolio. And I just got spooked out in this whole coronavirus deal. I watched it go from 300 down to 180. And then it rallied quickly back into the 250 area. And I was like, you know what? I think we could have another lag down. We talked about it back in late March. I was worried about the market still, obviously still worried about the market. And I sold out it there in that area. And now the stock is $350. And I'm like, 
man, this was a stock that I never wanted to sell and I did. So moral of the story is your core holdings that you say, this wants to be one of my core holdings, don't trade it. And I thought I could get it back cheaper and I didn't, I missed it. Shopify, same story. It was supposed to be a core holding in my portfolio and I've sold it out because it went too far. Um, you know, some stocks are trades, some stocks are investments. The one you deem long-term investments, try not to trade them. All right, Spencer, we'll let you wrap. I'm going to go over to hotmike.io, Joel code 317. I know I missed a lot of issues here in the chat, so I'll try and cover those. Uh, as the S&Ps just blast to a new high here, it should be an exciting Holy half. cow, this Woo. market. We're going at 295. What are we going to do there? But again, I don't like chasing. I'm going to keep saying I don't like chasing. If you were buying this morning, you were full on chasing like chasing. You know, you were 277. We're up 170 handles here now in, in, in two and a half trading days. Hard, hard, hard to make money when you're paying up that much. So I think you, get, you may not get another pullback. You know, we don't know. This market, this is really good news today. It wouldn't surprise me if the gains hold. It wouldn't surprise me if you continue to go higher. But there'll be another headline. At some point in time where I think you get them cheaper. So I don't think you have to run in here and buy stocks. All right. Thanks to everyone who joined us today uh, in any of our chats, both on YouTube and on Benzinga Pro and on premarket.benzinga.com. Thanks to our guest, Kevin Schultz. Please remember all the information from this show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. You can catch a podcast or the replay on YouTube. Joel and I will be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. In the meantime, everyone stay safe and good luck out there. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.